Welcome, 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 one and all, big and small. You've reached the podcast known as The Three Carnies. So come on, let's show you around. I'm real sorry. I can't let that happen again. I won't. I know. Am I fired? <laughs> he was never hired. You saw what happened. It was stupid Jonesy going Don't around. Don't you messing. dare. Don't you dare badmouth that man. You're goddamn lucky to have any man feel that strong about you. Goddamn lucky. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Three Carnies podcast. My name is Tana. And I'm Monica. And I'm Jen. And this week, we will be talking about the fantastic thing, <laughs> in Texas. Are you guys ready to get into it? All right, let's do this thing. So, we open to soldiers, war-torn, bloodied, and battered. We enter a makeshift operating room and hear a man screaming before cutting to Ben, yelling in his sleep, Medic! He seems to wake up without an arm and legs and sees Brother Justin before actually waking up. But instead, Lowe's is squatting in front of him and wants to talk. But Ben brushes him off. We then see Felix drunkenly singing in a car when Rita Sue tries to engage him. Sophie and Jonesy play catch, and then they argue, as always. And then we see Samson recruiting Ben to find a freak for him, which is a first. What do you guys think about how this episode opened? I think it's a good throwback to the initial dream that we have in the first episode. Like, in the first episode, we have a flash of Ben with the missing limbs, and now we see where it comes from. Not that we really know who the Russian is at the time, and, like, why he seems to be connected to Ben, but I think that was a nice callback. Do you think his dreams are being influenced, or do you just think is a run-of-the-mill dream form? I feel like this is more of like a memory than like a dream, a random dream. So someone wants him to dream this, but obviously he doesn't have any clue about it yet. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe that like with the awakening or accepting of his power, his gifts, that maybe that's related to the frequency of dreams and what he is be- he's dreaming of actively. What do you think of Rita, Sue, and Felix? My heart broke. My heart breaks every time they come on the screen. She is trying to connect with him in probably the only way she knows how and the way that they have done throughout their marriage, and he just can't do it. And they can't talk to each other either. Just such a vulnerable moment for both of them. Yeah, and I don't know if it's that lack of communication pathway that they have or if it's also that he blames her or what happens, or if he's lost his own guilt. Like, it was heartbreaking to watch, but I really couldn't get a sense of exactly what was the big boulder, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I I agree with you that I think part of it's blame, too. I was just going to add that they're unable to fight it out, to bring that up to the surface. I don't know. Again, but I do these little glimpses into who they are when no one else is around. Like, we see a different side to both of them. They're really more vulnerable with each other, but also not. They're flawed, I guess I should say, when they're together. I feel like this is the most uh, vulnerable, like Rita Sue has been in a long time. And so when he rejects her, not because I don't think he doesn't love her anymore, but his grief is just 
too enormous right now. She's rather hurt, and you can see her sniffle and start to tear up. And I just think she's just been the strong one for a long time. So it was just really hard for her to get the emotional and put herself out there. And Were you guys surprised at Sophie approaching Jonesy with the mitts? Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I don't know either, except to say that I think that she was trying to get something a little familiar since her and Libby, that whole situation played out last episode. So I think it's a comfort, trying to return to a comfort, and then how they like resulted in an argument, how you just can't go back in time with the two of them. Yeah, I think maybe in Dorame's funeral, how she was talking to Jonesy and they had that nice moment. Maybe she was like, oh, maybe we can be friends or be close, you know, and tried to reach out to him. Yeah, I also think there is this underlying current, like in addition to their weird relationship in that maybe with alignment and how her mom loves him and to a certain extent sees things the way her mom does versus sees the way she does and respects her own point of view. I feel that Jones obviously wants Sophie and him to be close again. She wants him to open back up. But I don't think him poking fun at her hypocrisy about Libby is quite the way to do it. He just always steps in it when he's around her. But I think that's testament to how nervous he, you know, she makes him. I do think he had some judgment of Libby in his initial statement, too. Libby is trash kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit. Like, yeah, can you blame your mom for not liking that? She's a cooch girl. I I think there was some judgment with her profession. And then he tried to backpedal and say, oh, I was just, it wasn't, it's not me. I'm supposing what your mom thinks. But he let that judgment out. (laughs) It was too late. He couldn't put it back. Yeah, and that's the thing is that he's always seeing things in his own way. And it's just ignorant or very, I don't say aggressive, but... Not aligned with how Sophie sees things. That's just been the way we've seen their dynamic by and large these last few episodes. Moving forward to Samson giving Ben a job. I don't know. Immediately I felt like he was up to something, but maybe that's just because what I think of Samson, I get suspicious <laughs> no matter what. What do y'all think? I feel like it was like management that may have suggested that Ben go on this errand instead of from Samson himself. because. Ben is totally the worst person to send for this. He doesn't know what he's doing or what he's looking for, or he doesn't know what to say to these people. He's just bad. Yeah, not my first pick on recruiting. So that's also what I thought. It's like maybe it was a management thing, but he just, Ben is so oblivious. He's anti-people in relating, not appreciating. Yeah. At this point, we finally flip over to Justin in an asylum, and we get to see all of the technology and the latest treatment methods and his experiences in such a place. It was weird, though, because I know how last episode ended with, oh, he's not jumping on the bridge. But for some reason, it was a shock to me to see him in an asylum. It makes sense. It took me a moment to be like, oh, he's, oh, they think he's crazy. Yeah, I thought that was a jump too. I don't think people got put in asylums just from being suicidal. It caused more drama for the television show. I also want to mention that the show was very fast and loose with the historical accuracies of what was going on in the asylum. The first person that experienced electroshock wasn't until 1938, and lobotomies, as we know now, wasn't until 1935. 
And even though Justin didn't get lobotomied, they for sure placed some people around that looked like they had. But definitely, like, the electroshock that Justin got was not invented yet. He was just going through it. And I do think you're right that it was just a good scene for the show, like a good setting for him to see how he responds in this kind of environment where technically there's very little control and there's very little uh, reason and logic. His whole little bit. Normally when we see his character, it's very forceful and powerful. And this was just felt jarring to watch this whole uh, scene with him. We then see Lois and Lila who have apparently kissed and made up. And Ben gets lost and gets directions from a stranger. We then see Sophie having a chat with Libby who apologizes for getting her fired up to leave. And Sophie goes with it wasn't in the cards, which I thought that was a great play on words. That makeup scene was so weird to watch, guys. <laughs> the last episode, he's beating the crap out of her. Then it's, we see them interacting and they're like, oh, yes. And I just, I get that every relationship is different. It just wasn't uh, what I expected to, to see. Oh, that makeup scene. Okay, I was thinking, when you said that, I was thinking of Libby and Sophie. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, theirs made sense. I'm talking about the, the the other one. Got it. Yes, that was a little bit out of nowhere. But I think sometimes with an abusive relationships, the bad times are bad, but the makeups seem like such a high. Well, and they were getting high, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird and awkward to watch but i did like the the scene with libby and sophie and how they squashed the beef i don't know how to say it better and saw real friendship there yeah two people were actually having healthy communication on this show i like that it just was affectionate and that they didn't gloss over it that both of them have a, a sense about each other and it was the healthiest thing we've seen the entire episode <laughs> Neither of them are really surprised or mad about how things went down. Yeah, me too. And then Ben getting lost was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That checks. But to be fair, those directions were wonky, okay? I would have gotten lost too. That sign is so ridiculous. I don't know how anyone could read that correctly. Do you know who the actor is who is the stranger? I do not. He is John Doe who is one of the members of the band X. I don't know if you guys know the band X, but there's two main people in that band, Xie and Cervenka and John Doe, and they were one of the largest punk bands in the 80s in L.A. Huh. That's cool. He transitioned to acting beautifully, I want to say. He's got a great name, though. Phineas Fafo. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Next, it goes to Jonesy lamenting about his earlier problems with Sophie to Felix. And this somehow turns into Felix offering up Rita Sue. And in more innocent times, Sophie and Libby are dancing away. On the note to them, Rita Sue and Lila are watching them from afar. And Rita's seeing a business opportunity. And Lila's sniffing out information on Ben as instructed. I think the most weirdest thing about this is the whole, like, Felix putting his wife up for auction for the platter. Because <laughs> clearly this isn't something that happens in their friendship. Boy, at this stage right now, Jonesy and Felix are terrible for each other. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, Jonesy is an alcoholic and Felix says, don't mind if I do. They really are. And I think if Felix was sober, he probably would have been like a good ear for Jonesy talking about Sophie problems. But with his state of grief and his like continuous intoxication, he's lost in his own business. I don't know. Why do you guys think he did that? I think he thinks it's hit two birds with one stone kind of deal. But like a relief pitcher here is not going to solve problems. It's just going to make it a bigger problem. He knows him offering her up would hurt her feelings. And he can't see Rita Sue hurting as much as he is. And so he wants her to hurt. And it's probably also a little bit of revenge because he blames her for Dora May's death. You know what's interesting is that he's always such a salesman in this instance. It's a bit rough around the edges. I don't know how to describe it, but when he's doing it for the business, it's very polished and refined and you can't say no. He could sell anything. But in this, because it's personal, it's very... Like his Jonesy senses it a little bit like, you're just saying, and why don't they... And he's a little stumbling over things. Do you guys think that Rita's not also thinking about Sophie as a person when she sees them up on stage? I think she is. I do think part of it is genuine when she says, I just want to see them happy. I, I don't think it's all one or all the other. I think part of her genuinely enjoys seeing Libby up there dancing and giggling with a friend. And then the other part's like, oh, I can make some money too. <laughs> I agree. I think she she does want to see Libby happy on the stage again with her friend, but she also knows that their their show was built for three people and they need another girl, so why not have Libby's friend come over and be part of the show? Yeah, this is another kill two birds with one stone. Well, and it's interesting because it's, in both instances, they're very tone deaf. Felix is very, like, not considering Jonesy's feelings, just as Rita's not really considering the implications of putting Sophie up there. She's really just very, they're both very, like, tunnel vision. The episode cuts over to Brother Justin in a padded cell, and a man sits down to talk about the incident. He calls himself, Justin does, the left hand of God, and basically starts messing with the psychiatrist. This was such a very, like, intricate, small scene, and Justin seemed scary in a different way. What do you guys think? Yeah, at that moment, I thought having him in this padded cell is the perfect situation to practice his powers and try to take control of him. It's just his mind against everything else going on. And I thought this scene was shot so beautifully. Brother Justin looked creepy as all get out. And then the shot, the very kind of widescreen shot of the psychiatrist just on that one chair, slightly off center, fumbling with his paperwork and this like him in dark clothes against these bright walls. It was very arty. I agree. And just how they shot it just made it feel like oh, you don't know what you're basically locked up with. You think this person is locked up and for their own good, but you're in danger, friend. And just to see, like, Justin's, like, micro-expressions, he's toying with them the whole time and really has no remorse, no shame. He's just, again, like you were saying, like, testing to see what can I do. I think Justin really wanted to be the right hand of God, but 
He has decided to embrace his new role as the left one. You don't know the left hand of God is generally the judgment and destruction of God. So he decided to go with that. And I love the little the correction of the spelling error. Shows I could influence how people do dictation. He has to borrow a pen and paper, but now he realized he could just get someone else to write things instead. How long do you guys think he's been in the institution? Initially, my, my first gut instinct response is days, but based on all the different things they tried, maybe weeks. His scruffiness doesn't really give you indication because he was super scruffy when they pulled him off the bridge. He's not more scruffier, so maybe it's just days. What do you think, Dana? I don't know. I'm thinking maybe maybe a week or maybe, yeah, maybe a week or two because it's enough for people like over the radio to really wonder about him. Do you think Justin has disassociated himself from his name right now? Or do you think he just doesn't want to let the institution know who he is? Ooh, good question. I think it's the second. I think he doesn't want to be found yet. He wants to see what he can do. And he probably realized this is a good playground to do that in. Who's going to believe the insane? Yeah. And I think he probably wants time to think about what he wants to do with this new information or realization. Okay. So this is a dumb question. And, and probably it was just practical because he, the last episode, he had that phone call to Iris. He always knew what I was and all this kind of stuff. Do you think they like he just got a phone call before they locked him up? Or do you think that was something that, I don't know, he did with magic or something? I would guess he got one phone call. Okay. And the next scene, Ben, he starts talking with an albino man who tells him about Lobster Gal, who lives in the opposite direction. Rita tells Libby to go and, and then speaks to Sophie about joining the show. And Sophie respectfully declines. Libby's mad at that. And then goes to uh, Samson and Lode's engage in a battle of wits, where I would say that Samson won the encounter. Did either of you guys think that anything else was going to happen with the gas station man? Like he'd have some kind of powers or something or abilities? I didn't think that. I think I was trying to be hopeful. <laughs> like, oh, Ben, you missed your mark, but maybe this guy. No, I didn't think he had powers or anything. He did seem to be like a local, so would actually know where to go. Just to go to Rita Sue and Libby and Rita Sue talking to Sophie about joining the show. Boy, Rita Sue know exactly how to sell Sophie on joining the show. Really pushing that rebel against mom button pretty hard. Well, and she's trying to charm her too. Like in that, oh yeah, I identify with who you are, what you're going through somehow, some way. Please go and be the stripper. It just sounds very much like um very practiced. She knows what to say. And the fact that Libby picks up on that immediately, I we can tell. This is something that, this is the buy-in. This is how she gets people to start. Yeah, and I was a little mad at Sophie for not believing Libby. Yeah, I think she'd be clued into this more considering her workplace, but she has no game. Yeah, and Sophie's smart. So far in the series, been shown her to be smart and world-weary and knows what's up. I think that goes into the whole, like, how she views Rita, Suze, and 
Libby's relationship in comparison to like her mom. She doesn't have any mom types that are being particularly nice to her. And so she welcomes somebody taking an interest. I think because it's a female, it, that's probably why she doesn't pick up on it. Because she's used to dealing with men all the time, like Jonesy and, and Ben and town folk and whoever. But like the whole kind of being motherly, I think, is maybe why she doesn't necessarily catch it. Yeah, and I think it's also the fact of, oh, this will piss off my mom. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I really liked the exchange with Samson getting information on those, like, he's sharp. And I, I like that we got to see that against somebody who's considered to be very smart. Lowe's was basically having a tantrum. Yeah, Lowe's can't stand the fact that he's not really essential to Ben's narrative at all. Out of everyone we've seen on the show, I don't like him. He does add value to, like, the plot and everything. But as a character, I do not like him. Yeah, I think he desperately wants to be important. Probably because he lost his bear. We then see Brother Justin, who basically has the entire asylum at his command for going over to Ben, who finds himself outsmarted by the stranger. Was that or was that not super creepy when we see Justin completely still with people silenced by him, paying homage? I don't know what you want to call it. It was creepy as hell. Where they were standing in a circle around him? Yeah. Yeah, I think atmosphere was a bit ominous. I also really liked that it was either done in one shot or was at least edited to look like one shot. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was great. The director of this episode did amazing. Throughout this episode, we get such very tiny snippets of Justin. Like, I don't know. It it seems like the shift... because we haven't had like, any powerful monologues or him really being vengeance and all that jazz. It just, it's a little unnerving. Like every time it cuts to him, because you're like, oh God, what's happening? At least that's how I feel in how he's shot in this episode. Next, we see Sophie arguing with her mother. This is escalating to a psychic slap and then a real slap. Felix gets Rita Sue to agree to sleep with Jonesy, and immediately after, Sophie approaches Rita Sue. Followed by a very quick cut to Justin basically silencing everyone to hear Tommy Dolan's radio program. Did either of you guys think that, like, her mother would slap her like that before this episode? I didn't find it surprising at all. I think it adds a new component that not just, like, her mom being down on her and mean to her and judging her that her mom also can harm her. I, I will say what Sophie said, <laughs> it deserved a slap. Not that I condone that at all, but like Sophie 100% escalated and tried to say the worst thing she could probably do to hurt her mother. Like she knows the button to push kind of deal. Yeah, and saying at least Libby knows who her father is, unlike me, or whatever exactly she said, but that's some terrible commentary, and I I think Sophie knows her mother was raped. I could see Sophie deserving the slap, but when she slaps her mother, I don't know, I thought that was really harsh, because obviously her mom can't defend herself or anything. If she can psychically slap Sophie, couldn't she defend herself? If she hit her daughter once, can't she hit her daughter twice? 
I guess. <laughs> I don't know, because after Sophie slaps, her mother just kind of like shakes shakes a little because she can't really do anything. And I'm like, that doesn't seem really fair. Like, I know she just psychically slapped you. I don't know. Where am I going with this? <laughs> Honestly, I think it's unexpected. I, I don't, from what how it was played out, I feel like that might have been the first time Sophie went back at her. Yeah. I think Felix 100% succeeded in his goal of trying to hurt Rita Sue, like whether it was a conscious goal or not. I think it was like maybe the, the rule they had, no no other carnies, and that was the balance that, okay, this is a profit activity and not a relationship interfering activity for her. Like maybe she could separate, but him having wanting her to do this was, oh, this is how you think of me. I just think this is the dumbest plan. Like, what if there's feelings? And this is a TV show. There's going to be feelings there. And it's <laughs> going to get messy. Yeah, there's no way it couldn't have gotten messy. Like, no way. And I think that's Rita Sue was like, why would you do this to us? You know something's going to happen. Yeah, and then the end of that bit where it's like, she just heals with basically shielding up, right? Okay, mm, that's how she chooses to deal with it. Now we see Ben who isn't doing so well. His truck always looks busted in this episode. The stranger introduces himself, and I'm going to mess up his name, but I'm going to try my best. Phineas Bafo? That's how he said it earlier, right? Maybe? Yeah. Okay. Ben goes into a vision after shaking the man's hand and sees uh, what looks like a lodge ring. Next, Sophie and Libby are arguing about her falling for Rita Sue's con. And then goes back to Ben, who has a heart for the stranded family that had been in the background in his scenes. The head of the family ends up getting generosity from Ben and then tearing down a poster of Ben saying that he was wanted for murder. I mean, up until this point, we didn't know what Ben was wanted for, why he was in a chain gang. Murder just seems like such a stretch. Like, he... Eh, he doesn't like people. How could he How could he find one to murder? I'm just saying. Okay, the murder was getting out of jail, but not going into jail. Ooh. I can explain this later. So, yes, I think the whole this whole errand was not even about getting a new quote-unquote freak. It was to meet this man, Bafo, and to to us check out his, his ring to set him on his journey here. So I guess they had to know that he would get a vision, even though it's not his thing. Like, the guy was really insistent on handshaking. Yeah, he's like one of those people that try to make everyone like him. So he's like, you're not mad at me. I'll shake your hand. We're not mad. You're not mad at me. <laughs> I liked the scene with me and Sophie, like how they're arguing. And ultimately, Sophie was just like, your mom wants to see you happy. And I was like, oh, she just diffused that water on a fire. How sweet. And also probably saved her hair because Libby was going to town with a hairbrush. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think Libby agrees with Sophie's assertion that Rita Sue just wants to see her happy. I think Libby's very much like hell she does and is more, I guess, tenderhearted to Sophie with the realization that, yeah, it's not Sophie's fault she's falling for this. Rita Sue is just so good at this shit. 
And I thought that, like, she softens because she basically sees Sophie really caring about her. And maybe that's not that genuineness and goodness isn't something that she gets directed into her way. Yeah, and Sophie's being caring towards her. And so she's not the person to be mad at. Sorry, we're going back to bed now. I looked up how much his reward, the $300 reward, was then and what it is now. And it's like over $6,000 today. So do you guys think the man, he took Ben's wanted poster for the money? Do you think he's going to sell him out? Yeah. See, I don't know. I'm going either way because, yeah, his family is hard up. And maybe this is just me feeling optimistic, but that he is trying to do the favor that he was just given. But I don't know. He could be desperate enough and unscrupulous enough to say, hey, give me that dollar. But based on the character, he just seems so humble. And he wasn't trying to throw one over on Ben about selling the chair. He was just trying to deal with the problem honestly versus the gas station attendant who was really kind of mean and almost get out trash kind of attitude. So I don't know. I could see it either way, but I, I would like to hope that maybe Ben's generosity turned into positive, you know, the man looking out for him too. Yeah, but I don't think my with me saying that I think the guy sold Ben out, I don't necessarily think that's an unscrupulous move because that could do such wonders for his family. And he knows nothing about Ben other that Ben paid for to get his tire fixed. But then if he sees Ben is wanted for murder. It's so hard. Because I see that, that like maybe he doesn't necessarily have to be unscrupulous, but I also think like how many people pass them by while they're on the road stranded without a care. Again, so maybe I just want to be optimistic about it. To be honest, like I wouldn't, it would be him not taking care of his family if he didn't call and try to get that reward. People were starving. Personally, I can go either way. Yeah, he's going to sell him out because he's poor. There's a depression on. He could really use the money. But also, I feel like this boy was a good Samaritan to me. He didn't even take the chair, even though it was offered. So he's actually a good person. And let's not have bad repercussions for him right now. So I can go either way. Yeah, and we know Ben better than this guy does, right? Next, we have Sophie and Libby advertising for the show, which obviously is going to go well. Sophie is seen by Jonesy, and he busts the face of an overzealous potential customer, which this ends up with Felix yelling at Rita Sue. And then we cut and see Ben and Samson having a bit of a performance evaluation. And Ben is there. Who wants his ring back? And there's a little bit of subtext on that bit. It was weird seeing Sophie up there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, she looked super awkward. And I I know that we've seen the Cooch Girls do this before, where they advertise as being something or someone exotic. Just the costuming seemed very awkward, purposely, probably. Like, for the show's purpose, not necessarily for, like, in the character's world purpose. I like how even Samson was probably about to give, like, the third degree to Jonesy. Then he's, oh, Sophie's up there? Aww. Here's some tickets, friends. Good luck. And the guy's so dazed. He's what are tickets? How is brain? Yeah, I wrote that. I love how Samson immediately knows what's going on and why. And he just knows how to cover it all up. Here's some tickets. That man is not going to remember the next week. Let's just be honest. 
Rita Sue kind of taking care of Sophie. I liked seeing this kind of, I think this was a very authentic mothering that Rita Sue gave. Are you okay? Patting her down and Sophie being like, it's not gonna happen again. Damn right, it's not gonna happen again. You are goddamn lucky to have someone, a man care about you that much. Because she knows right now she doesn't have that. You know what's interesting is she is being, I think, very genuine in this moment with Sophie and caring and, and sympathetic. This version of her was nowhere present when it was her kid, when Dormay was accosted and almost kidnapped on that initial thing. That was her dad. The dad took that, that role. But so I don't know if maybe she has had a disconnect between herself and her children or if it's just a culmination of where her life is at right now. Yeah, and she might have learned this ended badly with Dora May. I'm going to do something different this time. I'm not going to let her get back up. I think, too, that scene, we get to see her without having to be a certain way. And again, she has that line about being damn lucky and everything. Because, like, in her relationship, she's the boss. In her business, she's the boss. And in here, she's a woman that's deeply hurt and deeply unhappy in this moment. I thought it was refreshing. The episode now gives us what it's been working up to the whole time with Jonesy and Rita, Sue. So was it what you guys expected based on these characters, on how they, they worked that scene? I like that it was a really tender scene between them. Uh, I don't think Jones has really been like vulnerable with anyone in a while. I don't think he's really shown off his like his knee, which he's obviously very insecure about. But when she's like um, making out with his knee injury, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yes. I wanted to have a better, I don't know, wording than that. But yes, when she's showing <laughs> affection to his knee, he's just. I don't know, that just makes him really emotional. Probably the most emotional he's been in a long time. So I was glad that even though this is the most terrible plan ever, it's really nice that it was actually a really loving moment between them. Yeah, they both got some... For the record, I agree this is a terrible plan and nothing's going to come from it except destruction. But in that moment, they both got what they had been needing. Jonesy still had kind of acceptance of his knee and his injury and kind of this connection with a woman. And she got to feel this moment of not love, but I guess maybe affection and intimacy with someone, you know, and she's been looking for that, but not getting that from her husband. Terrible plan, but they both fulfilled each other's needs for the short term. And he was so vulnerable. He was so scared and she was so comforting. I, I get that. I agree that it was a need thing, but that it was also, it was just very soft and it was sweet for the show. Oh, I was going to say, I also really like the music composition for this scene too. Incredible in a way of how the show uses music because it's like a lot of more powerful compositions are orchestral. I don't think I'm saying that one right, but that's fine. And this one uses music from the time that always seems to match the mood or the setting of the scenes they make. The final scene of this episode ends with Samson walking in on road speaking with management. Samson is kicked out. And as he stands in the dark dust, we get a close-up shot of a keychain with the same insignia as the Ben had earlier, which belonged to Scudder. 
I have this like one attitude about management, but when I see loads in there, I'm like, why is this piece of trash in that cart? What is happening? What conspiracy is happening right now? Loads is trying to unseat Samson and get into the good seat with management again. And I like that we actually get to hear management's voice. So now we know there actually is a management and not that Samson is crazy or something. Yeah, but I don't know why management was talking to him. Like, management knows Lode's deal. Why is he humoring him? The only thing I came up with is I think that he's using him for whatever purpose he has and that he could be manipulated because he does know him and he can use his idiosyncrasies against him. I was thinking after this episode, I now have a theory of Scudder and management is I think Scudder is a decent person, but happened to have drawn the dark avatar. I think management is kind of an asshole, but happens to be a light avatar. I don't know. I think right now I'm just like, y'all are both jerks. But I mean, yours has a lot more (laughs) thoughtful reasoning in it. And mine's more just the gut feelings. Well, I just think there's like a lot more gray being the light avatar than being the dark avatar. I mean, I think of Scudder as spending his whole life trying to run away from it, being the dark avatar. And still, he's a dark avatar, so he still has a bunch of destruction following his wake, but he still kept trying to get away from it. Yeah, and see, I think I wasn't thinking about in terms of like light and dark. I was thinking more Scudder is just more chaos, and then the uh, management is more like calculating and a strategist of stuff. That is true. Scudder didn't bother reading up on anything or learning the history or training, but like you could tell management did all those things. So he's more in the driver's seat. He knows what's going on more. He knows what to look out for, etc, etc. So after watching the whole thing, who do you guys think was best in this episode? I mean, I don't know about Bess, but I think probably my favorite character was Rita Sue. I think she was complicated and layered in this episode. And we got to see her vulnerabilities, but also got to see her be manipulative. Like, she was also full of gray areas. I think I agree with you on it being, for me, Rita Sue, because you're saying, like, the depth and the range that she had this episode. I did want to say Jonesy because I got, like, a crush on him in this episode, but, like, for being rational, I will also agree it's Rita Sue for me. So you got a crush on him this episode and not the episode where he was trying to sober up by getting himself wet? (laughs) I mean, love takes time to grow. Maybe I need to go back and watch it. I don't know. (laughs) No, I just, I really like that even though he's he's a decent human being or tries to be he tries to do his best even if it's backwards i agree about rita sue i love rita sue all around great character she's very flawed i love her dress this episode my favorite one also really like samson in general but also like up here he's he knows what to say to people to get them to do things we did get to see a lot of his like the reason why he's number two, right? Like how he can talk to people and how like nothing misses his mind. He's a sharp cookie. Now here's something. So we're like halfway into the season, right? Rita Sue shined in this episode. Do you think she is the strongest female character we have or most complicated? Or I feel like she has her own arena. I just don't know where I label I would put on the arena. 
I don't know. Because I think it's hard hard labeling her as the strongest female character. I think the last few episodes she's gotten a lot of airtime. But one thing that's great about this show is all the female characters are strong but have their vulnerabilities. Like, they're all humans with all the range of bad and good and strong and weak and just complicated people. That's fair. But maybe Tina has a different answer than me. I don't. Like, Sophie's strong in so many arenas unless it's with her mom. Then she can be played like a fiddle. Yeah. And as I'm thinking about the different women, like, they just have their array of different kinds of strength, how they show that strength. And then so I think maybe I was just thinking about that because of the airtime. I do love the confidence all like the older women at the carnival have than the younger women do. One thing just to go back on me fanboying over this director in this episode again, like I just can't stress how much I loved so many of the shots, like the shot with Sophie and Jones Jonesy playing catch with each other just looked so beautiful with the carnival in the background and the hills behind that and they were in this wheat and then when Ben was having the nightmares and one of the scenes had brother Justin just sitting in a chair looking at him you know in this like barren landscape and dust going by it was such a beautiful shot to happen for like maybe three four seconds and a bunch of the shots of the carnies putting together the carnival I kept thinking oh this episode is so beautiful and they must have spent so much money on this but I looked up who the director is and the director is Scott Winant and he did another episode in season two, but he's done 47 different TV shows, including a bunch of Breaking Bad. I think what this show does is when it wants to show beauty, it does it well. I think they're really good at knowing how to frame the scenes to get the best out of them. And looks like that's all we have for this week's episode. Thank you all to listening. It's been really fun. Again, this is Jen. And thank you all for listening with us. And I am Monica. And I'm Tana. Please join us for next episode. Uh, It's called Insomnia, and it's season one, episode nine. Also, if you ever want to get in touch with us, our email is threecarniespodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone.